A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 121 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another really fun episode in store for you all today. And with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. It's uh, good to be back, though. Excited to talk some baseball. Good episode ahead, so I'm looking forward to this discussion. And, you know, a lot's been happening around the league, and... Time we catch you up on it. So some some definitely some people, you know, maybe to acquire in dynasty leagues, even in redraft league right now, that you know, could be good buys. And I'm gonna talk about it all today. So looking forward to the episode. Yeah, we got a good little mix here. Some dynasty, some redrafts, some prospects, a lot of a lot of fun names that are either trending up, trending down. And like Chris said, we will get into all that. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for plenty of live prospect video throughout the season. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have going on over at Fantrax HQ with multiple fantasy baseball articles coming out every single day. All right, let's hop right into it here. We're starting off with a trio of really fun hitters here that were all pretty high draft picks. Uh, I'd say... One was top 40-ish, another one top 60 to 70, another one probably back in top 100, give or take. All started off the season very poorly, but have all heated up here over the last few weeks. Let's start with my Boston Red Sox and Mr. Trevor's story. He was off to an atrocious start, but last 14 days, slashing 267, 352, 756. Last week, hitting 320 with six home runs, lost a... 14 days overall, seven home runs and four steals. So finally bringing that power speed blend that we are waiting on. He had one of each up until the last two weeks, one home run, one steal, that is. So he's only at eight and five total, still only hitting 225, but does have 33 RBI. So he was he was still driving in runs even when he was not hitting that well at all. So right now he's on pace for about 120, 130 runs, uh, RBI, excuse me, right around 90 runs or so to go along with about a 30-20 power pace. So are you buying this recent hot stretch from Story Chris? Because for me personally, like obviously I'm a Red Sox guy, I watch all the games. He's looked like the old Trevor Story. I'm not saying he's like go back to, you know, first round fantasy value guy like he was, you know, a handful of years ago in Colorado. But I think he might be able to get close to the guy that at least we thought he could be before the season. Yeah, and I think the expectations were pretty reasonable before the season. And, you know, you expect a bag and average drop, you know, leaving Coors Field. So I think he's probably a 260-270 type hitter. I do think Fenway's a good hitter's environment for him for at least a bag and average standpoint. And, you know, the power is legit. I think what we're seeing is real. You mentioned over the last several weeks how he's performed, and I do think that that's here to stay. So I'm not overly concerned. We, we saw the 
exit velocity is trending up in you know late April, early May, and I thought that was a good indicator. And you know now we're seeing the results. I think the warmer weather certainly played a factor in that too. That certainly helped offense around the league. But someone like Story, I think it's definitely a benefit too. So fortunately, I didn't sell. I, I have him in quite a few leagues, and I was not going to lie that I was a little worried about him. But luckily, held on through it, and that's you know what early season is about. I mean, we're approximately six, seven weeks into the season. Like, you know, guys are going to go through slumps, and I think that if he had gone through the month-long slump during the middle of the season, nobody would have said a word about it. No one really would have even noticed. Right. But you know, still, right now we're seeing the you know overall line look pretty poor. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not overly worried about it. I think he's trending in the right direction. Everything looks good, in my opinion, even under the hood a little bit. I mean, all his you know, stat cast metrics are pretty much right in line with what they've been in the past. And even though, you know, not in course field, I'm not that worried about that. As I mentioned, I think Fenway is a good place for him to hit. The strikeout rate is trended downward. The walk rate's trended upward over the last several weeks. So I do. I think story's here to stay. It's funny, you look at his BABIP, it's pretty low, especially the last two weeks, 180, but that just comes from the amount of home runs he hits. So the season-long BABIP sits at 275, which is probably a you know, pretty reasonable expectation that could trend upward. I do. I'd expect the batting average to be 260, 270. I think he hits 30 home runs and steals 20 bases. So at the end of the year, you're getting the production you expected, even though he was absolutely brutal to start the season. Yeah, and I am 100% believing in this story we've seen here lately. Like I said, even through the struggles, he, some of the metrics, like you mentioned, some of them are pretty good. He's, he even has the best barrel rate of his, uh, at least of this Savant era here, uh, 15.2% barrel rate this year. He had not been above 10% since 2018. Hard hit rate is you know not quite as good as it was in the past, but still above average. 23-degree launch angle, and, and he's kind of taken the Fenway well. You look at his a little bit of his batted ball profile here. Uh, the ground ball rate is down about seven, a little over 7% from last year and his pull rate is up like obviously right-handed hitter power hitter in Fenway you know you got to try to pepper that monster or go over it a lot and he's pulling the ball around 10 and a half percent more than last year and 12 and a half percent more than in 2020 all right not not one season he had was he above 40 percent pull rate he was at 39.9 back in 2018 but now he's at 44.4 this year going to the opposite field less so he's really utilizing his home ballpark to his advantage. And he's hitting off-speed pitches very well. All of them, actually, he has three home runs off off-speed, three off-breaking balls, and two off-fastballs, which is encouraging to see as well. So, yeah, definitely trending in the right direction. Finally, uh, he's been bumping up the order a little bit here. Like Him and, and the other big three are all hitting very well for Boston. The rest of the lineup, not so much, including you know, Bobby Dahlbeck's been terrible. Kike has been terrible. Vasquez is kind of getting going recently, but uh, still, that top of the lineup is very, very good. So, yeah, I can see 30-20 type of season, over 100 RBI, over 90 runs or so, and he'll get that average up at least the 250. Maybe it drags down a little bit just because of the, the slow start. But, yeah, definitely very encouraging over the last couple of weeks. So if I don't have him, I'm I'm buying higher. And I, you might want to sell right now because of the last couple of weeks. But this I think this is still a buying opportunity on Trevor Story because, like I think we both said, we're, I think he's here to stay. All right, sticking in the American League East with Mr. Randy Arozarena, who, like Story, was off to a very putrid start and has gotten it going in the power speed department recently. But, you know, some of his metrics aren't exactly as glowing as Mr. Story's here. So maybe he's not quite the same, you know, buy high as Trevor Story is. But for the season, Arozarena is up to 264. And he has seven steals, four home runs, 21 runs scored, and 18 RBI. Most of that coming over the last few weeks here. Actually, over the last month, really, he's hitting 309, 365, 521 with four home runs, five steals, 14 RBI, and 12 runs scored. That is in 104 plate appearances. What about your thoughts on a Rose Arena, Chris? Are you... Are you, are you buying back in? Because he's been like very up and down. You know, For most of his career, obviously, he had that huge postseason run and then he had a 2020 year but the metrics kind of haven't been there he's been very inconsistent where are you at on a rosarina right now for dynasty he's interesting i do think he's made some interesting strides this year his contact rates are at a career best right now he actually has the highest max exit velocity of his career and also the average exit velo looks good as well 
So across the board, it, everything looks okay. You look at the last several weeks is when he's turned it on. He's hitting 356 over the last two weeks with three home runs, three stolen bases. My concern is just last year we saw the inconsistent running. Like he had stretches where he stole a lot, and then he also had stretches where he didn't run at all. So there could be some inconsistencies there. I'm curious. It's interesting, though, that his contact rates are actually down the last two weeks when we've seen the performance go up. So is it sustainable? I'm not really sure. He's still striking out a good bit, and over the last two weeks, that's still at 29%. So that's still fairly high. A season-long number is 26.7%, which is fine, but it's you know it's down a little bit from last year. He's also walking less. So I don't know. I, I think story – excuse me, Rosarain is going to be inconsistent – we're going to see these ups and downs. But at the end of the year, I still think he probably gets to 20 home runs and 20 steals with around a 260, 270 average is probably what you can expect. So much like Story, the numbers are going to be there eventually. You know, It's just a matter of time and the matter of the season-long aspect. So you know, I do think that he'll be fine, but I'm not going on my way to say that he's going to be an elite player like this rest of the season. So you think in you know, like top 75-ish moving forward? No, I do think that's fair maybe top 50, you know, like 2020 guys don't grow on trees, but yeah, he's just been so inconsistent over the last, you know, really the last couple of years, like, like we mentioned, and you mentioned the base running too. And he's been caught 13 times over the last two years, which is tied for the most in baseball. Guess who the other guy is that's been caught as many times as a Rosarina Chris. I don't think you'll guess it to be honest with you. Yeah. I'll give you, a, I'll give you a hint that'll completely give it away. <laughs> it's a pitcher. A pitcher. Oh, Otani? Yeah. Nice. See, you, you wouldn't think of Otani being no. up there in, in the cuts. So I, like, I don't think anybody would have, would have guessed that with, you know, within 10 guesses. But, yeah, like he has not been very efficient at all. So 27 steals over the last two years, which is solid. Or this is since the start of 2021. The 27 steals over that time is, is very solid. But I said 13 times he's been caught. So that equates out to a 67.5% success rate which is not great you get below you know between 70 and 80 is solid above 80 is very good you know below 70 that's where it starts getting a little murky and so but over the last you know it's a year and you know what month and a half here he has the 10th most deals in baseball only behind chisholm Bo, joe ram otani straw edmund mullins turner and whit merrifield so he's still providing that and he also has 24 home runs over that time frame so that's still pretty good, Hit, hitting 272 as well. If he can keep that average pretty respectable, that, that's the one thing I, I question is like, where is the average end up? It's been so up and down. But right now, he's hitting 264. Granted, he's taking that hot streak to get him up there. But if he can at least stay above 250 or so, I think he'll be fine. But yeah, some of those, like the quality of contact metrics are just not, you know, they're okay. Like you mentioned some of them, like, but he's got a really low barrel rate, walk rates turning down, like you mentioned as well. So, I don't know. I, I have a really hard time. Like, part of me wants to be like, oh, he's a top fifty guy. The other part of me is like, ah, oh, he's too inconsistent. But I don't know. It's he's at least trending up. That's for sure. So maybe you know, if, maybe now's a good time to sell high. I've actually been looking to sell him in a couple of my leagues. That I have him in. I haven't, I haven't really done so yet. But I think right now I'd rather sell a Rosarina than Trevor Story. That's for sure. And this next guy is a guy that I think I'd be holding as well. A guy that we both, I think, preached, you know, patience with earlier in the year. He was even dropped in a couple of the leagues I was in. I was able to scoop him up in at least two leagues, I believe. And I've been reaping the rewards lately. And that's Dansby Swanson of Chris's Atlanta Braves. He is his power speed. He has been absolutely dominating over the last, uh, really the last few weeks or so. Uh, as we, you pull up the his stats here over the last month or last 28 days, 326, 378, 573 with six home runs and five steals. He has four home runs and two steals over the last two weeks and two and two over the last week, pushing a season line up to a pretty you know respectable 268, 331, 451 with six home runs and six steals. So he's on you know a little bit over a 2020 pace now. Do you think he can get there, Chris? And are you buying the run we've seen from Swanson recently? Yeah, I mean, since April 20th, here's the splits. April 20, before April 20th, or on April 20th, excuse me, he was hitting 143, zero home runs, and two RBI, three runs scored, 432 OPS. That's OPS now, not slugging, not OPP, <laughs> OPS. Since that date, he's hitting 327 with six home runs, 
21 RBI, 20 runs scored, and a 946 OPS. Like you mentioned, the season line has been brought up tremendously because of that. He actually leads the team in war, which is pretty impressive. So I do think he's here to stay, and I think you were going to get the numbers you were going to get from him, kind of like we mentioned with the Rosarena and Story, like there's bumps. You're still going to get the production. Last year, Swanson hit 27 home runs. He stole nine bases. thing is he plays every day. The lineup spot's been you know, not great, but we've seen him bump up at least some. He's hitting the lineup higher in some in some games, which is encouraging. Keep saying like this, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the top of the lineup, which only increases his plate appearances because Dansby is a compiler in some sense. So I still think he's a 25-10 at least. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get there. As the, the air's warming up, the weather's been better, he has been killing it. So you know, I'm definitely excited about that. I think, like you mentioned, he was dropped. Everybody thought he was just toast. But he looks fine to me, so I, I'm thinking you're still going to get the production you expected. I'm really excited about what he's done. He's up to 38th on the Razball Player Raider, which is pretty phenomenal to be up to the top 40. Yeah. When like you mentioned, there's what April 20th and what's he to start April 7th? So yeah, first like basically two weeks of the year, he gave you absolutely nothing, and maybe even like give was giving you negative value. So to yep. get up into the this top 40, he's you know. Right behind Nestor Cortez, right behind Corbin Burns, Kevin Gaussman, right ahead of Freddie Freeman, Starling Marte, Jeremy Pena, you know, Clayton Kershaw, Luis Robert, Xander Bogart, guys like that. So, yeah, it's definitely been, and yeah, maybe he even gives you, you know, 15, 16 steals this year with the way he's running so far. He's up to six of each, 84th percentile sprint speed is pretty solid. So, yeah, maybe we see like a 25, 15 type of year out of Swanson's. Really need him to anchor, help anchor that top of that order too. With Acuna again, Chris, like what's going on with Acuna? It's like every other day, I feel like he's like dinged up with something else. Always lower body. I think what's it a calf now? Are you are you worried about Acuna moving forward at all? At least for the, for on a long term, we can't really say that. But for this year, are you would you be looking to maybe sell him in redraft? Oh, I'm not sure what you could get, man. It's just up and down. Like we've seen so much junk with him, and yeah, I mean right now it's a grade one strain of his right quad i don't know how long that keeps him out like he's had a groin issue obviously you think about the other stuff that's going on too recovering from the acl so it's tough i mean in, when he's been on the field like he's been really good i mean the numbers don't lie that he's been elite and i think that when he's on the field that he's going to be elite but you just have to wonder like is this stuff going to linger around and for how long so I am a little worried about that, so I do want to see him get back into action. I mean, maybe you can sell him off due to name value, but then my fear is that if you do trade him, he's going to just be fully healthy and just you know, absolutely rake the rest of the season, yep. and that ends up hurting you. So it's a weird line to walk with him where I think he'll be okay, but yeah, you know, I just I don't know. It's it's a tough spot for sure. Yeah, as, as, that's the fear, right? Like, like a, part of your brain is like, ah, I sh maybe should I look to sell him right now because he's been, you know, injured so often this year. Everything's, you know, all those lower leg injuries and whatnot. And then, but the other half of your brain's like, oh man, if I do, he's like going to tear, go like 25 25 rest of the way or something like that. And he's already shown like he's, he wants to run. I think he was uh, like top 10 in the league in steals. And even after missing the first month or something like that, might have to pull that back up. But yeah, definitely hoping that Acuna can. I just, we have a couple of teams that we co manage. We, we have Acuna on that team. So really hoping to keep him healthy the rest of the year. Uh, sticking with the theme of these top names here, we had two top names who are probably two of the more hyped prospects of the last decade that are really struggling right now. Okay, maybe struggling isn't the correct word, but underperforming expectations. There we go. That's probably a better term to use. Let's start with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mentioned him a couple episodes ago, um, but really was more so in comparison to Jordan Alvarez. But let's get into Jordan, I mean, uh, into Vlad here a little bit. On the season, Vlad is slashing. Yeah, still a respectable 263, 356, 447 with eight home runs. But that's obviously not what you signed up for with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. when you made him a first round earlier on this in draft season. And really, there's been some really concerning splits here. Look over the last 28 days, 226 with three home runs, one only one home run over the last two weeks. 
and the home road splits are pretty robust here. On on the road, 316, 407, 540, pretty damn good. At home, and this has not really been just a Vlad thing. You've seen this a, a lot with some of these Toronto guys this year, oddly enough. 211, 302, 355 at home with three home runs in 86 plate appearances. Are you worried about Vlad? Or like, what do you make of this kind of performance from Vlad lately? It honestly seems like he's just being a little passive. He's walking a really high rate. I mean, even in May, he's got 240 average, but a 360 OBP, which, you know, it's interesting because his slug's only 347, which you'd expect much higher of out of Vlad. He's not striking out a ton, just 11.2%. It's really tough to figure out what to make of him, honestly. Like, is it just a, a thing of bad luck? I don't really know. I wouldn't say so because he's a, a 254 Babbitt this month. Everything looks fine from, like, a plate discipline standpoint. He's, his zone contact this month is 89%. Contact rate right at 80%, which is solid. I mean, the swinging strike rate is well below average. So it seems like just a little hump in the road where he's going to be fine. But it is bizarre to me that, He's just not really hitting for power, especially this month. I mean, you know he got off to a hot start. You expect a little more batting average as well. But as I mentioned, the contact has been even better this month. I don't know. It it could be just the factor of him putting the ball on the ground too much, which has definitely been happening pretty much all season. I mean, he's got a 51% ground ball rate for the year, and over the in, in May at least it's 58.5%. So that is a reason for concern. Like that's kind of getting back to where he was, you know, before the big breakout is too many ground balls. So it kind of just is a matter of time, I think, before he gets going. But I I do have a few concerns that he just keeps seeing the ball on the ground like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. The ground ball rate going back up to where really the levels where it was before his 2021 breakout. Like in 2019 and 2020, it was, you know, in the, in the low to mid 50 ground ball rate. Uh, range and now he's back up into that range pretty much after dropping it down to about 45 percent last season you know the launch angle is back down to four degrees which is actually the lowest of his career even 2019 2020 he was a little bit higher than that last year was at 9.4 degrees so the exit velocity is still very good hard hit rate is actually exactly the same as last year 55.2 percent and you mentioned you know the approach which is basically in line with last year slightly worse in the walk rate and K rate department, but still 16.4% strikeout rate on the season, 11.3% walk rate for the year. The barrel rate has dropped pretty significantly, though, deck down to 9.6%, uh, which has something to do with that with the launch angle and getting too many balls in the ground. But, you know, I, I obviously think Flat's going to bounce back. But, you know, I can't, I mean, this is not me taking a victory lap, but I kind of was warning people about like, not expecting 2021 Vlad to be replicated this season just because. Some of the numbers were inflated by hitting down in Dunedin and in Buffalo, which are minor league ballparks, very hitter-friendly minor league ballparks. And we saw the metrics last year. Now, here as I try to pull them up real quick, but how dominant he was. And he would have been great anyway. I'm not saying that's 100% why Vlad had the year he had, but you got to look at those numbers and are like, all right, he definitely got a you know a slight boost from those ballparks. You look at what was it? Dunedin, he hit 410, 521, 897 with 11 home runs in 21 games. And then Salem Field and Buffalo, 321, 418, 762 with 10 home runs in 23 games. So that's 21 home runs in 44 games there with a ridiculous you know slash line. So I still think he's a top 15 guy top 20 guy absolutely that's probably his floors top 20 but maybe he's more you know 280 and 40 as opposed to like 300 plus and almost 50 i think that's be kind of factored in this point but just so don't be worried about him i'm not worried about him but just maybe don't quite expect 2021 vlad to come back right now another american league east guy struggling here wander franco he got off to a really hot start but it's really been scuffling over the last uh, few weeks or so, is that his slash line is down to 267, 294, 422. Does have the four home runs and four steals, which is kind of nice. But really, it's weird to see Wander hit 267. He's like never hit 267 anywhere he's gone. OBP under 300, very odd as well. You look under the hood, and a lot of the contact metrics are still very good. He's a 92.5% zone contact rate. 
Whiff rate's actually better than last year. It's down to 14.7%, which is absolutely elite. Chase rate is a bit high, but he's always been a guy that's been a, a bit aggressive, so that's not really concerning at all, especially with his contact rate, since Chase contact rate is, is above league average. Zone contact rate is about 10% above league average, but it's not producing well right now. And you got to wonder how, how much power speed can he get to? The quality of contact is not great. 5.5% barrel rate, 39.7% hard hit rate. Those aren't terrible numbers, but I don't know. I'm just kind of wondering where Wander's at long term. What, what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a bad slump over the last, at least in May. I mean, 218, and that's with a two-hit game yesterday. It's kind of tough to see because, you know, he's putting a ton of balls in play. As you mentioned, the contact skills are good. The BABIP is low. It's really tough to make out, like, what's really going on here. From a statistical profile, everything does look okay. As you mentioned, the contact is elite. I mean, overall contact rate this month, 90%. Zone contact, 94.3% this month. 5.5% 5.5% swinging strike rate. It seems like there's been some bad luck go his way. I don't know power speed wise, but I do feel confident saying that the bag average is going to rebound at least. I mean, we, we've seen when you put the amount of balls in a play that he does, I'm not really worried. He's not striking out. He's not swinging and missing. So I think he's going to be fine. His expected batting average is, is 312, which one of the best in the league. So Thinking, expect the batting average to trend back up. I think it was just a little dry spell, but from power speed standpoint, maybe you get to 20 home runs. I'm not sure speed wise. I mean, we saw his willingness to run early. It's just a matter of what he's willing to do. The sprint speed's not really elite here. So it's a tough spot to really try to figure out how we can project him. But I do feel pretty good saying that he's going to still hit for average. Absolutely. Yeah, that, no concerns there. For me, either now, for dynasty in terms of his value, do you think he can still be a a top ten dynasty guy? You think he's more like top twenty, top twenty five in that range? I think he's fifteen. I'll go in the fifteen range. So okay, that's right, right in the middle. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Far. All right, so right now, dynasty startup draft. Who would you rank these uh, in, in order? Wander and then the, the two big rookies. Well, they're not prospects anymore, but Bobby Witt Jr. and Julio Rodriguez. Where would you take those three in order? Rodriguez. It's really a coin flip between Wander and Witt, I think. I mean, I think you can trust the batting average much more for Wander, but the power speed definitely to Witt. But J-Rod's an easy number one for me. Like that, no questioning that in my opinion. I would say they're pretty close. I I have a hard time picking between the next two, though. But it's J-Rod and then those two. Okay, yeah. I put a poll out few days ago and people were still leaning wander i think it was like it was just wandering wit i didn't include j-rod in this poll but i if i recall it was about two-thirds went to wander and what in my last update i still had wander ranked ahead i think that might change you know because wit's starting to heat up and they saw power speed blend over the last month i used one of the i put out a tweet also all the hitters that had what I use for I think it was five home runs and five steals over the last month and both j-rod and wit were on that list does Jay, is he still lead the league in steals? If not, he's, he's up there. Is he still leading the league? My computer's Let's not see. working. I'm trying to pull stolen base leaders, and it just doesn't want to pull up. But He um, does. He does? Okay. 13. Jorge Mateo has 12. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Who would have thought the – okay, there we go. I, I got it now. Who would have thought the top three in steals for the season would be J-Rod, Mateo, and Harrison Bader? And then, then, then you get to Trey Turner and Mullins and Edmund and Tucker and all of them. But, yeah. Never thought J-Rod would be up there 13 steals. But hey, like we said, he has said many times, like showing his willingness to run. He wants to run. He's very athletic. So like maybe he's not going to be on a 40-steal pace the entire year, but maybe he can be a guy that gives you 20, 20-plus 20 annually to go along with that elite power and contact that he shows. So hopefully he just doesn't continue to get squeezed like he has been first month of the year because that's been really really hard to watch but again i'm not worried about that because he's showing good discipline he always has so yeah love seeing him and wit start to creep up and up in terms of rankings there and with, with their overall metrics starting to go up now as well let's go over to some top names that are actually surging here you know there's a few two names in particular that have been staples as first round players you know for the last five six seven years but they're not 
the sexy 24, 25 year old names anymore. There are guys like, all right, these guys are closer to 30. They've had some injury issues, one with a hip issue, the other with, what was it, a calf issue. Talking about Trout and Betts here. And they've both been absolutely phenomenal this season, both top 10 guys overall. Trout's hitting 319 with 12, 12 home runs, 26 RBI, and 35 runs scored. Has not stolen a base yet, but. He's so elite in the other four categories there. And then Mookie Betts, and I was actually looking up something about Betts the other day, a Red Sox-related thing, and I noticed that he actually leads the National League in both home runs and runs scored. He actually leads all of the major leagues and runs scored by a significant margin. He has 44 runs scored so far. Second highest in all of baseball is Aaron Judge at 36, who's actually been crushing the ball as well. And then Betts overall is hitting 290, 12 home runs, 30 RBI, 44 runs, and three steals. So, man, Chris, I think people were too quick to maybe not write these two off, but to maybe write them off as top 10 guys. And you know, these are guys that I was kind of scooping up in the middle, you know, 15 to 20 pick range in both Dynasty and Redraft. So, yeah, I think they're maybe back to stay as uh, top 15 guys for the next few years. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure why people were so out on bets. You know, he played hurt with a hip injury all last year, and he still hit 23 home runs and stole 10 bags in 550 plate appearances. I mean, that's really who he's always been. He was pacing for like a 30-15 type pace. The batting average was down, but again, that came with a still good contact rate. I mean, he had a 93.1% zone contact last year. The numbers are up this year. The contact is is good. The zone contact is a lead at 94.4%. Not swinging and missing. He's walking in a high clip. Like This is just vintage Mookie bets from what we're seeing. There's power in the profile. Not surprising. He's healthy and he's a great hitter. So it's honestly great to see this out of him, honestly. And the run and RBI totals, like he's hitting in the top of the best lineup in baseball. So kind of to be expected here. So been great to see and trout's just the best hitter in baseball he's had injury problems yes but here we've seen what you can do when you stay healthy and we're seeing that i mean he's 319 425 674 1099 ops like this is just again vintage bets but this is vintage trout i mean yeah no stolen bases but you don't really need that i mean think about you were drafting vlad so much higher and this is Trout doing what you expected Vlad to do. So, you know, it's great to see Adam Mike Trout for sure. And he's both these guys, I think, are, are definitely here to stay. Who would you rather have rest of the season, Trout or Betts? Betts because of stolen bases. Throw throw Aaron Judge into that. Who would you rather have out of the trio? Still Betts, but still. I think that you could, you'd be close between Judge and, and Trout. They're, they've been very similar other than you know, a little bit more power out of Judge. But, you know, I still think that both Judge and Trout have their injury potential and the potential. And Judge has the downside of batting average that he could see that till down some. So it's it's still bets for me. Yeah, uh, I would agree there. And you, you look at like the top ranked players, whether you look at Yahoo, Fantrax, ESPN, Rasbel Player, or wherever you go, there's a lot of the, the names you expected to be up there. You'll see Judge, Machado, Betts, Joe Ram. Harper's having a phenomenal year, even through that elbow injury that's limiting him to DH duties. He's hitting 318, 10 home runs and six steals, 31 runs, 31 RBI. Trout, Devers, you know, Lindor, Alonzo. It's some of the surprising names like CJ Crone's up there pretty high. Obviously, Taylor Ward, who I talked about a couple weeks ago. Ty France is way up to Tommy Edmonds up there because of the speed. Um, but it, Trey Turner's having a pretty solid year as well. The only one that's really not in terms of, well, that's outside of Vlad, but the other big name that's, you still having an okay year. He's scoring a ton of runs, got a lot of walks, but Juan Soto, he's hitting only hitting 236, only the 14 RBI because that lineup around him, which I thought could be still be okay. This is absolutely atrocious, but uh, just real, before we go to break, Chris, real quick, are you worried though about Soto's value rest of the season? I'm honestly not. I, I think he's going to be fine. I think, I mean, we're seeing some effects of him being in a pretty crappy lineup, but overall, I'm I'm really not that worried about him. Everything in the profile does look fine. I mean, you can point out the ground ball rate, but he's 
posted a 50% plus ground ball rate each of the last three seasons. So, I mean, every season of his career has been above 50% except 2019. So no, I'm, I'm honestly not that worried about him. Yeah. I'm, I'm not either. And actually as stupid as it might be for Washington, I kind of hope he gets traded. Can you imagine him and like the Dodgers lineup? Odd. And I, and as much as I hate to say it, him in Yankee stadium would be very exciting for fantasy. Yeah, it would. I, I don't want to see that for my Red Sox because Yankees are already dominating. They don't need Juan Soto, but having that power in with that right field porch just and those are probably two of the only teams that can pull off a Juan Soto trade. Red Sox, I think, might be able to. They won't do it though. I, uh, Yankees, I could see Dodgers. There's really not many teams that have the prospects and then the money to secure Soto long term. So. Really, probably Yankees or Dodgers, but yeah, that would definitely be a huge boost to his value. But obviously, that is a lot of smoke right now, so I don't think that's imminent for sure. But all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. Yeah, we got some prospect talk, some exit velocity standouts, and some pitchers too. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. We got a couple of pitchers here on the docket we want to talk about that you look at their surface stats, they're very, very different. Tariq Skubal and Alex Cobb. Let's start with Tariq Skubal here because he has been, he's taken really made some nice solid gains this year and made some improvements across the board. Overall, in eight starts, 44 and two thirds innings, 2.22 ERA, 1.05 whip. 4.5% walk rate, 28.4% strikeout rate. Two of the things I've really noticed here, and this is I was digging into him for my last uh, starting pitcher rankings update a uh, handful of days back. The barrel rate has dropped from 13.9% down to 5.1%. I think that's huge. Hard hit rate is down as well. Uh, really, the and the four-seamer has been much better this year. He's dropped the usage about 14%. Last year, 291 batting average again, 611 slug, 413 Woba. This year, respectively, 243, 351, and 291. Team getting more ground balls, less fly balls. So a lot of positive things here for Scooball. Are, are you buying this uh, new and improved Scooball we're seeing, Chris? He's interesting. I, I didn't think I would – actually, I wasn't in on him you know, in most places at all, but he's surprisingly been – really really good and i think that's been great for i mean we've seen that tigers rotation just be you know, beaten down by injuries i've always liked scooball but i've been worried about how hard he gets hit really the fastball location as well kind of hurt him a bit last year but he's reinvented the arsenal like it's really helped him he's throwing the slider more i mean sliders is most used pitched he's knocked the four seam usage down about 12 13 percent which is great throwing the sinker a little more. And the four-seam was really just a terrible pitch. Allowed 22 home runs last year. Brutal, brutal, brutal. But this year, has not allowed a home run on that pitch. He's only allowed two home runs this season, so it's been encouraging. And, dude, I think the reinvention of his arsenal has been good. You know, his changeup right now has a 44.2% whiff rate, the curve 34.6, and his slider and four-seam are up both above 25%. So, yeah, in a way... I am buying. Obviously, I don't think that he sustains like this level that he's pitching at to a 2-2-2 ERA. But, man, even if he goes to a low 3 ERA, I think you'd be happy with the results, especially with the strikeouts there and the walks down. I am certainly buying into what Scooball's doing. Yeah, like you mentioned, the how hard he was getting hit last year, especially that four-seamer, was, was an issue. The overall barrel rate, 13.9% was an issue. Hard hit rate, 45-1 was an issue and all those like I mentioned earlier have drastically improved this season 
that's huge. And you mentioned two home runs. And for reference, last year, he allowed 35 home runs, 22 off the four-seamer. So 35 in how many how many starts did he have last year? Well, 29 starts and two relief outings. So yeah, 35 home runs in 149 innings. So quick math, that's one a little over every four innings. This year, two home runs in, tw- in 44 and two-thirds. So about one every 22 innings so to see how much better he's been at limiting the long ball limiting hard contact in the air especially that's been huge for him so yeah i I don't think he's this good either but i bumped him up i think it was around 30th overall from my rest of season starting pitcher rankings i think it's fair i think he can be you know a back end two and 15 teamers high end three or it's a solid three and 12 teamers as well as i think i think most of this is legit. Maybe you see, you know, some ERA regression up into, you know, near three, but even a lot of the ERA indicators are pretty damn good as well. Like XERA is 247, for example. So, yeah, I think a lot of what we're seeing here is legit with Tariq Scooball. It's only if, if Detroit fans, they probably want uh, Manning and Mize to get back healthy and on the mound here, but at least they got Tariq Scooball dominating. So that's something at least. The other name, Alex Cobb, is having one of the just weirdest starts of the seasons I can remember in recent memory. Seven starts in, 625 ERA and a 155 whip. So you're, you look at those metrics and you're like, eh, I don't want anything to do with that. But everything under the hood is really good. Like, look at the Savant page. A lot of red there. Barrel rate, 2.2%. He has a better walk and carry than he did last year when he kind of started breaking out with the Angels. His XERA and a lot of the other ERA metrics, Sierra is all those are all like in the mid twos. XERA is 191. Exit velocity allowed 85.8 miles an hour, 29% uh, hard hit rate. So many really good metrics here. Ground ball rate up to 64.5%. A lot of what you want to see from him, like if you looked at this profile and didn't see the Surface stats, you're like, all right, Alex Cobb is a oh, top 20 starter this year, but he's had some bad luck. A lot of bad luck had a couple blow up outings, some blow up innings. So I've been preaching buy low from Cobb. Even after that last start, I'm still preaching buy low because these metrics don't lie and these metrics signal better things ahead. So, what are your thoughts on Cobb, Chris? Are you buying low as well? Yeah, it's a bizarre profile with what we've seen. I mean, he's by far the the biggest differential in ERA to his ERA estimators. And the fastball velo is up, which is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, two miles an hour is really significant, actually. So that's a big deal. And, you know, the splitter has been working really well for him. Overall, it's just interesting to see the results he's gotten. A lot of bad luck factors. I mean, a 411 Pabip is not sustainable. A sub-50% strand rate ain't going to last either. So... You look at everything that he's doing, and I think it screams by. So I'm really intrigued. To I think you can get him pretty cheap at this point. Yeah, absolutely, you can. I, I think he could be a top 50 starter the rest of the way. Like like I mentioned, you look at just the metrics, and you would think that this guy is a top 25 arm. And then you see the six and a half ERA and 1.6 WHIP, and yeah, so definitely buy low in all formats: dynasty, redraft, everything. Alex Cobb is a great buy right now. Uh, the next arm on the list here is having a very up and down season. That's Hunter Green, you know, one of the most exciting pitching prospects in recent memory. Obviously, he can hit triple digits, elite fastball. Well, I'm starting to wonder, Chris, is Green just a sell in general? And I'm not using it strictly because of his performance. I'm not saying that, but you know, 593 ERA, 154 WHIP, has well over a K per inning though. Good, good, solid K rate. But some of the kind of Concerning things, 12.3% bail rate, 12.3% walk rate as well. And he just has not been able to establish any resemblance of a third offering. He has a changeup, only used at 5.8%. Four-seamers getting hit really hard. I don't know. I mean, he's really electric, and I'm not you know, saying he can't have a bright future, but I'm almost wondering, is this a guy that's just never got to live up to expectations? I mean, his, his fastball is just easy to hit for major leaguers. He could blow up by minor leaguers with ease because the velo, but he just doesn't have the. I mean, he doesn't command it well enough, and it doesn't have a good shape to it. Or I think it's always going to hurt him. A little bit erratic. The walk rate's high. Yeah, he's going to 
run plenty of strikeouts, but I'm just wondering if it's always a case where if he doesn't really reinvent his arsenal, then he may be a decent sell high. So it's uh, definitely something to watch with him. It's, he's going to be inconsistent. He's going to have bad starts when he's not commanding it well, and he's going to have good starts when he is. So, And that's kind of to be expected from a 22-year-old rookie too, but you're going to see a lot of ups and downs from him, I think. Now, fast forward five years. Is Green a starter or is he a reliever in your mind? I think they've got to ride him as long as they can as a starter. I mean, I'd be surprised if they stick him in the bullpen this soon. So it's hard to say, but I think they give him every shot to stick as a starter. I do too, but like five years down the road, I think by that point, I think you'll have a pretty solid idea of if Hunter Green can stick as a starter. And like he's going to have to establish that third pitch. Like You can get by with two offerings, but you need to have both those offerings be – you know, at least plus and the slider, I could, you could say it might be plus right now. The slider is performing very well uh, overall on that slider at 0. 0.96 batting average against 233 slug, 193 Woba and a 38.9% whiff rate. But like you mentioned, velocity can get hit at the major league level. He's averaging 98.6 on the four seamer. That's great, but it's getting knocked around to tune of a 363 batting average against 750 slug and 513 Woba. That's just not going to get it done. Especially when your change up is only, you're only using it. 5.8% of the time and you've yet to throw it uh, to a right-handed batter. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying I'm out on Hunter green, but I'm definitely kind of rethinking how I think of him a long-term. That's for sure. Moving on here. Let's go over to an article. Chris wrote recently, which again, like I mentioned it in previous episode, you know, crit the exit velocity kind of leaderboard, the percentile leaderboard that Chris has, which I believe Chris, you have that pinned on your profile. If I remember right. Yeah, yeah, being okay. found on Twitter. Yeah, it's definitely go check that out. It's a lot of fun stuff. Definitely gives you a better picture than just looking at average exit velo or max. We said max is just absolutely you know useless for the most part. But Chris wrote an article recently on some 80th percentile exit velocity notables. So Chris, I'll give you the floor. Sure. Yeah. So you know when the research like 80th percentile seems to be the most correlated with power metrics, at least from a predictive and a descriptive standpoint. So Looking at some players, it's kind of funny. Like at this article I wrote in the, the day, so it came out that morning and that same day I wrote about Jock Peterson who hit three home runs in that game. So Lair Homer that day, it was like, wow, this uh, <laughs> some of this was in Harold Ramirez's first home run that day also. So it was like, dang, that was pretty good timing on the article. To no surprise, like John Carlos Stanton is at the top and how ridiculous it is. His 80th percentile EV is 113.74. The next highest on the list is... 108.74, which is Eloy, and he only had 27 batted ball events for the injury. Judge comes in next at 107.68. So Stanton's 80th percentile is a full six miles an hour higher than Aaron Judge, which is absolutely nuts. Beside the point, Solaire comes in behind Judge, just behind him at 106.86 there. So Solaire had been one that who's really been heating up this month, and I think the power is going to come. Feels really similar to last year. He started out really slow. And then as the season wore on, especially after he was traded to Atlanta, he got super hot and is really the reason that the Braves won the World Series, in my opinion. But Solaire's one that I think the power will keep coming. I think he's still an easy 30 home run bet. You also have like Mike Trout, who's right behind Solaire, to no surprise. Joey Gallo, Mitch Haniger, you know, he doesn't have a ton of batted ball events, but I think it's a case where when he comes back, hopefully healthy, he'll be fine hate the injuries and the COVID and all that stuff has kept him out for so long. Jake Berger's an interesting one. He doesn't have a ton. He has 46 batted ball events, but he's 80th percentile EV. He's tied for eighth on the list, which I think is pretty impressive. And then Jock was right behind him. So I did write about Jock where Jock has been really good. We know he's in a pretty strict platoon, but I mean, he's on the strong side of the platoon. So he's going to play most days. And, you know, he started out the season hot. He had some hot stretches, and then kind of went cold, but then he you know really got back going. Had that big three home run game, which was you know that nuts game where with the Cubs and the Giants. I think it was the Cubs. I don't remember, but anyway, the Giants had that crazy game. And then you look down the list. Vlad's still on here. Byron Buxton. They follow uh, Jock. I wrote about JD Davis, who stats are awful. I mean, they are just awful. And he's not going to get playing time in New York. It doesn't seem he's playing really inconsistently. But I do wonder if they make a trade. Like he seems like a prime trade candidate for 
a team that needs a hitter that has excess arms. I mean, the Mets could use an arm, and I wouldn't be surprised if they made a trade and made a run in a starting pitcher, and I think Davis could be a prime trade candidate and someone who could really benefit from a move to another team. And he ranks really well, 12th on the list in 80th percentile EV. His average EV is really good as well. So everything you want to see here from him you know, looks really, really good. So I wonder if he gets traded, if he could really just be one that really takes off. And he's not really fantasy viable right now, but what if he went to Cincinnati? Like what if the Mets traded him a, a deal for like Molly or uh, Luis Castillo? Like he would excel in Cincinnati, in my opinion. He would excel with everyday playing time. So yeah, I think I think that was really the thing for Davis is he needs to find a place to play regularly. So he was one that I mentioned, mentioned Harold Ramirez, who across the board, then everything's looked really good. He had the, he has the highest expected batting average in baseball. He's hit for good average, but he's also hit it hard to really all fields, but he finally hit his first home run the other night. I thought that was really good. So yeah, there's some fun names on this list. You can go check it out. I do think that it, it has its place for usefulness beyond max and average max EV is you know, pretty useless in a lot of sense. Like it, it really doesn't tell us a whole lot, honestly. So that's where 80th and 90th percentile are both pretty solid. 80th has been the strongest in my correlation studies. So you can look at all that and you can find you know, some potential guys that could pop off, like Julio Rodriguez has stayed towards the top in this. There's a lot of guys I think could could really rebound or, or continue the success from how hard they hit the ball. So, yeah, those are several names you could check out that I wrote up that I do think will have a power surge as we, we move forward with the year. Yeah, another uh, fun name. I was I'm kind of just looking down the list a little bit. So this one's is a little bit further down. It's 35th on the list, but Wilson Contreras is popping up pretty high in a lot of these. Average 92.7, 80th percentile is 104.5, uh, which is right behind, not too far behind, like Miguel Sano, Jordan Alvarez, Shohei Otani, and they even started. Did they? Did you guys start Contreras in the outfield the other day as well? Did I see that correctly? Yep, he's starting left field. That's interesting. So. He's a guy that's really gotten hot too. So maybe you need a catcher. It looks like they're trying to get his bat in the lineup pretty regularly here. So Wilson Contreras is a nice little pickup as well that you could probably still get off your league's waiver wire or obviously very cheap uh, price in dynasty leagues as well. All right. Last little segment of the show here, which is an article I wrote up recently. You know, we've had a lot of prospect graduations over the last few weeks. You know, J-Rod's now off the list. Wit. Torque, many others, Hunter Green's off the list. We've also had some names that were, you know, some of the top stashes are up now, like Nolan Gorman and, you know, George Kirby, et cetera, et cetera. So we figured let's do another, you know, an updated top prospects to stash in redraft leagues right now. So my list the other day, which I did, what a day was that? Uh, two, I think Tuesday on Fantrax HQ. Uh, these these top it was the easy top two for me right now, Royce Lewis and Grayson Rodriguez. Lewis should still be up, but can we, can we start with that. Lewis should still be up. He was hitting very well in AAA, went up and hit very well. Uh, he was hitting over three hundred with he had two home runs, and I think it was like eleven or twelve games up with the Minnesota. And yes, he's the shortstop, and Correa was coming back, but Lewis can play. He's played some second, some third, some outfield. And yeah, it's not always ideal to move like a young top prospect, have them, you know, readjust on the fly, but he's shown adequacy at those positions and he's a big time athlete as well. So I thought he would have been fine. Plus Jose Miranda hasn't really been hitting well. So I thought Miranda was going to be the one that got sent back down. That didn't happen. So Royce Lewis, easy stash. If he was dropped in your league when he was sent down, go pick him up. And then on the pitching side of things, Grayson Rodriguez, I think, is up very, very soon. There was a lot of rumblings that him and Adley were going to be up very, maybe even at the same time or was very close together. Obviously, Adley came up was about four or five days ago now over the weekend. So you got to think that Grayson Rodriguez is pretty close behind. He's been absolutely dominating AAA as expected. And this is, you know, I've had the fortune of seeing a lot of very talented pitching prospects over the last handful of years. Like I saw the big three from Detroit. I've seen Pearson. I've seen so many good names and Grayson Rodriguez. I think not, maybe not easily, but he was the most impressive arm I saw uh, live. And I saw him live last August this year in AAA nine starts, 43 and a third innings pitched 
270 ERA, 0.99 whip, 66 strikeouts, just 14 walks in 43 and a third innings. So those are easily my top two. Uh, Chris, who, who are some other names that you'd be looking at the stash right now outside of those two? I mean, Vinny Pasquantino seems yes. like he's just he's hitting his way to saying, like, you got to call me up. I mean, he's just been mashing and continued to mash. Let's see, over over this month, how good he's been. Because honestly, like, he started the season a little slow, and it was a little bit worrisome. But over the last month, he's hitting 309 with nine home runs. And that's actually just since May 1st, so not even a full month, just 81 at-bats. 94 plate appearances, OBP near 400, and the slug at above 750. So I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, he's elite contact. He walks at a high clip. He hits for power. I'm not sure what more you can ask for. So I think it's a matter of time before Vinny P gets the call. I think that he should be getting the call soon. So I'd also expect uh, Riley Green when healthy. Who knows? I mean, He's resumed or he's been cleared to resume baseball activities. I don't think he's begun rehab games yet. I haven't seen that he has. So I think he probably is up when he does, you know, complete those. And honestly, I'm surprised like Luis Garcia from the Nationals has not gotten the call yet. Seems bizarre to me with how that lineup is that he hasn't got called up when he's just been mashing. He's hitting 331 down in AAA with eight home runs. What are you waiting for at this point? Like, Call the man up and let's see what he can do. At least he, I mean, he got some time, you know, in 2020 and 2021, and he's hit decent in you know, both those stints in the major. So I just don't know why we haven't seen him yet. He's a great contact hitter with developing power. So it's just a matter of time, I think, before we see him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Unfortunately, though, he did suffer a wrist injury the other night here, and I don't think he's played the last couple of days, but hopefully it's just something minor. We haven't heard anything really about it yet, so it's probably not major. And the other one, Christian Cassis, again, he was a guy that he had cooled off a bit recently, but he's a guy I thought might be up for you know sometime in June, but he's missed the last, the last week or so with an ankle injury. He actually was just put on the IL, but I think that was more of a procedural move because he already missed like seven or eight days at that point in time. So he's another guy that I still think is a pretty good stash. Green, absolutely. When he's up, I think you know he could be a you know a top forty, top third, maybe even a top thirty outfielder the rest of the way. Like he's got that type of upside for sure. O'Neill Cruz has really fallen down my stash. I still had him in my top ten stashes, but he has not looked well at all. He's he's hitting right around the Mendoza line in AAA this year. You know he, he still has some home runs, but I, I don't know. If, I see Cruz up anytime soon. I think this is giving Pittsburgh a perfect opportunity just to keep him down there. If he was hitting well, yeah, he'd probably be up at, at this point. But uh, another one that's not hitting that well either, CJ Abrams. Yeah, he's, I think he's got like three home runs and three steals or something like that. But last time I checked, he was hitting well below the Mendoza line as well down there. Though he's, he had a really low bad bit, if I recall correctly. But I don't see Abrams back up either. So, like, for, for me, I see Abrams up eventually again, but not anytime soon. So for me, Lewis and G-Rod are easily top two. And at this point, I might put, yeah, I might put Vinny P. I had him seventh last time, but I might move him up to like third or something like that because I do think he's up soon. Carlos Santana just stinks. He needs, he needs to go. So bring Vinny P up. Just have him DH. Yeah, yeah, yesterday or on, so this is Thursday when we're recording this. Yeah, on, on Wednesday, he went five for seven, two home runs and two doubles. You know, the approach, the contact, the power, it's all there. And long term, somebody asked me this question, Chris. I wanted to throw it over to you, see what your thoughts are. Someone asked me, you know, what's the big difference between Tristan Cassis and Vinny Pasquantino long term? And I was like, there's really not. Look at the profiles, very similar. But rankings wise, there's usually a pretty good gap. That's kind of closed in mind. Like, I think they're within seven or eight spots. Now, as I have Vinny P pushing top 25 at this point, where, where do you have these two in your rankings, uh, Cassis and Vinny P? Yeah, Vinny P's probably not high enough, honestly, is, as you mentioned, where he's just been so good. Yeah, you know, I think you definitely have to give the little bit of power edge to Casas, but yep. you know, Vinny P has better contact skills, in my opinion. I mean, Casas is pushing top 10 for me. He was 11th in my most recent update. Uh, Pasquantino is you know, right now near 30, but you know, that's something to, that's a good point, and it's something to really think about. From like a contact standpoint, like Vinny P's got it. He gets the ball hard as well. And the EV numbers are probably a little better than we think. And there's no doubt that he is the 
uh, better contact hitter than Casas, while Casas may have the edge for power, though. So that's the really the biggest thing. But yeah, I I agree. I could see them not being that dissimilar from a fantasy value standpoint. Yeah. Every time I update my rankings, Vinny P moves up. And then like a week later, I'm still, I look at it. I'm like, man, I didn't move him up high enough. I can't, that's been a very common thought after every one of my updates. So I am moving him up higher and higher and he's, he might be top 20 for me by the time I put up my next update on Fantrax HQ. That's very possible because Vinny P it just still gets underrated. He's, but he's so much better than Belendez and Prada right now. And those guys are, Good prospects. They could probably have bright futures, but Vinny P, I think, is st- solidly ahead of them. Ego is obviously Wit's on a prospect anymore, but Wit, and then next tier down, Vinny P, and then the other two are next tier down from that. So go get Vinny P everywhere. Stash him now. Still try to give him Dynasty Leagues. I think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy first baseman for a very long time. That hits for average OBP and 25, 30, maybe even low 30s home runs. I think it'll be 25 to 33 or so home runs. So. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again, again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work over at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon as well. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Bye.